You're listening to All About Agriculture with Rory Lewandowski, presented by OSU Extension in Wayne County, Ohio. Behind the scenes interview time here on Worcester Radio. A very good morning. I'm your host, Ron Hamilton. Our guest in studio today is Rory Lewandowski from the OSU Extension office here in Wayne County, is always talking about agriculture. And we're going to be talking today with Rory about forage sampling and analysis. Before we delve into today's topic, Rory, as always, good morning and welcome back. Yeah, good morning, Ron. Glad to be here. As I mentioned, our topic today, forage sampling and analysis. So without a doubt, the 2018 growing season presented some challenges to getting high-quality forage harvested, especially in regard to, to dry hay production, Rory. Why is forage sampling and analysis particularly important, especially in a year like this? Yeah, well, I think with all the rainy weather and the variation in rain patterns uh, that we have had this year, uh, that means there's a lot of variation in in hay quality on many farms. Uh, There's certainly plenty of lower-than-average quality hay that got made this year, again, thanks to rain, uh, delays in harvest, that type of thing. And often that low-quality hay requires some supplementation in the ration. So in today's dairy economy, especially, producers can't afford to either over- or underfeed feed supplements. And the only way uh, to really know the nutritional value of a 4-H sample is to is to sample that 4-H uh, and then get it submitted to a lab for a quality analysis. You need to have those numbers uh, to be able to plug into a ration and, again, make those adjustments as needed. Rory, you mentioned several different scenarios that could affect the quality of forage. Is it correct to say that for every different factor that could affect forage quality, I would need to send in a separate sample? And and then also, to piggyback on that, are there some sampling guidelines that need to be followed? to get back, you know, not just test information, but but information that's useful? Yeah, so good points, good question. So the big challenge really in 4-H sampling is submitting a representative sample. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of the same thing that we deal with in soil sampling. So one of the most important principles of 4-H sample is to take and submit separate samples from each hay or silage lot that represents some type of variability. We really want to try to minimize that variability. So a lot of the forage that's harvested within one day from one field uh, with a specific species mix or hybrid would be, for example, one sample. Uh, Let's say, for example, uh, I have an alfalfa field and it's a mixed grass and alfalfa field. Uh, I would need to sample forage uh, from each of those fields if I have an alfalfa field, again, and, and alfalfa grass. Those are two two different forage mixtures, so I'm going to have to sample from those fields separately, even if those were harvested on the same day, just because of the species is different. Now, if I have a field that contains a a section with different species mix compared to the rest of the field, uh, ideally forage from that section would be sampled as a separate lot. So I want to sample forages also that are harvested at different stages of, of maturity. That would be if I've got something that I harvested at an early vegetative stage, another one that uh, was at flowering stage, again, two separate samples. Uh, hay that was rained on compared to non-rained on hay would be separate lots. Dry hay versus baleage or, or haylage would all be sampled separately. So again, if I'm doing a different type of production system, sampled on different days, different species mix, was treated different, uh, any of those types of things, I, sa- I sample those separately and send those in as separate samples. Rory, let's, let's talk about the sampling procedure. How are samples taken, first off? Does the type of bale or production system affect the sample procedure? And then also, what's used to get 
a uniform sample because, you know, you want that uniformity. Right. So those are really important questions. Uh, the distribution of leaves, stems, weeds, and other plant materials, uh, turns out it's not uniform in our stored, stored forages. Uh, probably not a, a big surprise, but because of that variation, we have to take samples from multiple bales, and the type of bale also determines our minimum sampling number as well as the sample location uh, on that bale. So taking a sample just by you know, reaching it over to a bale and, and grabbing and pulling something out, uh, that does not allow us to get a good representative sample. Uh, you're going to probably strip off a lot of leaves, end up with a really stemmy sample. So for all of our bale types, uh, we recommend using a core sampler to get a representative sample that collects both stems and leaves in a uniform manner. Core samplers are they're simply a metal tube. It's about 12 to 24 inches in length. It has a sharpened tip at one end that cuts through the bales. Uh, the other end of that tube is attached to a drill that provides the power to cut into the bale. Uh, I do have a core sampler. It's available to lend out. Uh, it's at the extension office. Again, folks are welcome to come into the office and, and uh, sign that uh, sampler out and use it and then bring it back in. So now when you're sampling small square bales, you would core into the bale at the center on one end of the bale between the two strings. For those large rectangular bales, uh, you're going to core either from the ends or the side of the bale. And if coring from the side, you're going to use a 45 degree angle to sample. For large round bales, a little bit different procedure, we take the sample by coring perpendicular to the bale circumference. In other words, we're using the curved side of the bale. If you're sampling from uh, bales that are wrapped in plastic, so for bale-age, that type of thing, uh, just remember you're going to sample the, the same way, but you have to remember to patch that plastic after coring so you, you maintain the anaerobic conditions within that bale. Rory Levandusky, our guest in studio today from the OSU Extension Office here in Wayne County. Rory, within each lot of hay, how many bales does one sample, and then how much forage material you know, what I send in for, for the lab for the analysis. Right. And here's, this is another critical component of, of forage sampling and analysis. So, again, uh, you know, again, similar to soil sampling, we're sending in a really small amount of material. Uh, generally, the recommendation is going to be about uh, sending in whatever's going to fit within a one-quart Ziploc bag or, or less. And uh, so when you think about it, that has to represent oftentimes many tons of material. So, again, that good sampling is important. So dividing our forages into lots helped. We, we talked about that. Uh, we then take subsamples from various bales within that lot. So in general, for small square bales, they have more variation from bale to bale than our large rectangular bales or our large round bales. So we need to sample more small square bales as compared to the larger bales. Now, the amount of variation in any sample submitted to lab is obviously dependent on the number of core samples that are collected. So our reliability then of our forage analysis results increases as we take more cores, sample more bales. So for each lot of hay, uh, the, the recommendation here would be to collect uh, 15 to 20 core samples. So in other words, you're going to sample at least 15 to 20 bales. You want that number to be on the higher side, at least 20 if that's small square bales, and you might even push it up higher than that. And then at least 15 if we've got those large rectangular bales or the large round bales. So you take your core sample, uh, you then mix those core samples in a clean plastic pail, and then you place that entire amount in a Ziploc bag and then send that sample into the testing lab. Okay, we've talked about sampling hay bales, but 
what about forage that's harvested by chopping and then stored as silage? Mm. How is an ensiled forage sampled, Rory? And, and is a core sampler something that you would still use? Yeah, well, they, the core sampler uh, could be used if that silage has been stored in, in the, uh, the silo bag, so that pl- those big, large uh, plastic silo bags. Uh, that could work. You could collect uh, 8 to 10 core samples at various places along the length of that silo bag. Again, remember to tape over those uh, holes to repair that plastic. Combine those samples into a pail, again, mix them thoroughly, and then take a... We want, in this case, we'd like to see really about one to two pounds uh, of sample that gets sent in for an analysis. Now, if you're sampling from a, a tower silo, uh, there the recommendation would be to wait about four to six weeks. We want to make sure we go through the complete fermentation process. Once that's complete, uh, again, four to six weeks uh, afterwards, uh, remove the spoiled material from the top, uh, and then collect several pounds of silage uh, from that unloader from both morning and evening feedings on the same day. Uh, so if you're collecting in the morning, uh, then take that sample, put that in a refrigerator or even a freezer, uh, take the evening sample, add it to it, uh, and again, uh, keep that cool before it's sent in. So I mentioned uh, keeping those samples separated. Uh, once then we, we've got both those samples, combine them in a clean pail, mix them well, and again, we're going to send two to three pounds into the lab for analysis. Uh, the key here with any kind of ensiled product is that we don't want it to sit out in a warm place and, and be a big delay from the time we collect it to the time it's sent in. So samples should be stored in a refrigerator or freezer until they're ready to be shipped in. Rory, I know many dairy farms are using bunker silos. What is the sampling procedure there You know, to collect a silage sample when you're talking about bunker silos? Yeah. Well, the first rule about collecting a sample from a bunker silo is don't get killed taking a sample. Um, and, and this is a serious topic because we have to remember that anytime we're dealing with a bunker silo, uh, we can have silage avalanches uh, that come off the face of that silo. So again, we'd never recommend collecting directly from the bunker face. Uh, we'd recommend if you're using a loader bucket or some type of face shaver to create a pile of silage on the floor of the silo, uh, move that away then uh, from the silo just as you would as you're getting ready to mix it into your, your ration and collect that sample again farther away from the, the bunker silo. So again, that, that pile ideally is moved out of range of a possible silage avalanche before you sample. But once you've got your pile there that you've knocked down that you're going to use for that day, uh, collect five or eight samples from that pile. Uh, you can use some type of scoop that would be recommended to Uh, get a sample, but if you don't have a scoop, uh, you can grab a hand sample. Uh, But if you're using a hand sample, make sure that uh, you have your hand upturned. So try to mimic a scoop as much as possible. Palm down and a grab sample is not as good as uh, your palm upwards and mimicking a scoop. Combine those samples then into a five-gallon pail. You mix thoroughly and then take, again, a representative sample of approximately, again, somewhere in that two to three pounds for analysis. Uh, now, work done by Bill Weiss and uh, Norman St. Pierre uh, when, when he was still at Ohio State University found that sampling error is the largest source of variation in silage sampling. Their recommendation was to take duplicate samples of silage and then uh, average those test results for ration formulation. So you would you'd take your sample, uh, you'd split it into two parts, you'd send in two even though it's the same sample, you send in two samples to the lab, and then when those recommendations come back, you average that. So use of duplicate samples actually reduced their sampling variation by more than 50%. 
On our next program, we're going to discuss with Rory how to interpret forage analysis test results. In the meantime, if someone has questions about sampling forages, how can they get more information, Rory? Yeah, they can contact me at the Wayne County Extension Office at 330-264-8722. I'd be glad to send out um, some details and, and written materials on uh, how to sample forages properly. Uh, also check out our Wayne County Extension website at wayne.osu.edu. Rory Levandusky, our guest in studio today here on Behind the Scenes on Worcester Radio. I'm your host, Ron Hamilton. Thanks, as always, for listening. And Rory, thank you for making time and coming in today. My pleasure. Thank you, Ron.